All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for your goodness. Thanks for the chance to open your word. Thank you that we even have your word and the great lengths that you went to to preserve it for us. I pray that you would speak to us now. Holy Spirit, would you have freedom to move in this place? And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. So we're asking a question here. What does the first century church have to do with a 21st century church? Because if you think about it, maybe you haven't thought about it, but you should, is the way that God has brought about what we're doing right now is pretty incredible. That we would look back on an event that happened 2,000 years ago and still try to do that in a rapidly changing culture. Does that make sense? That what he did that was so significant that we could do it now and it still matters, it's still relevant, it's still significant, is virtually not happened anywhere else in history. That something would last for thousands of years and still be as powerful now as it was then. And so we've been walking through this book of Acts. We walked through uh, when Jesus left earth. That he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And the disciples are left just standing there asking, what just happened? And the angels come and they say, get out of here. You've got a job to do. And of course, we get Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which gives us our mission statement as a child of God. The Bible says that you are here. You are left on earth. If you're not dead, you're not done. God's not done because you have a very specific mission to do. And he says that you would be my witness in all the earth. And he lists literally town, city, state, world. And they didn't even know we were even over here. (laughs) We weren't over here. That United States was not even a thought. Right? And so in our culture, we, we went through this period of Christendom where it was popular to be a Christian, where it was... The thing to do, and we tried to dominate politics. And in case you are just waking up from your slumber, uh, that's gone. That's gone. It, it is no longer the thing to do. It's no longer socially and politically great for you to be a Christian. And uh, that's scary for some Christians. But it shouldn't be. It should bring you great joy that the culture is moving away from what we are experiencing. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because history has shown that every culture that comes under persecution in the church, the church begins to grow. The church begins to expand. God's kingdom begins to move. Because what it does is it separates wheat from chaff, right? It separates what matters from what doesn't matter. You know, the lights here don't matter. The instruments don't matter. What matters? Our worship. The sacrifice of God. Now, I'm not against all those things, obviously, because they're here, and I like them, and I enjoy them. But what we recognize is that when we walk out of these doors, none of this is what's going to change somebody's life. But yet we want their lives to be changed, and we want them to be in here with us, experiencing what God is doing. 
And so last week, when I was gone, Pastor Jake talked about what it looks like for the church to be together in community and to lay your life down for the other people here. And hopefully you walked out of that feeling pretty challenged about what God can do and is doing in a body of believers. That you play a role in the life of this church. That being here to check off the spiritual box isn't enough. It's not enough. That when God comes in, He begins to move through us. And and we are inseparably connected to each other, whether you like it or not. It's like when you were born. You didn't get to pick mom. You didn't get to pick dad. You didn't get to pick your brothers. You didn't get to pick your sisters. All right? And... In some ways, God saves you and plants you in a church. And what's come in the United States is that it's way too easy for us to get disconnected from each other. And so Acts chapter 2 at the end, after Pentecost and the giving of the Holy Spirit, the first thing it says is, here's what, it, here's what that can look like. But there's another danger that comes from that, is we, we can look at that and think, man, that's all on my shoulders. Man, that, that, that's all on my shoulders. What is wrong with me? Why haven't I done that? And, and what, I, what I want you to see today is how you get there. Is how you get there. That it is not a result of you looking at yourself and going, Man, i got to fix these seven things. That's part of it. And that comes and you have to do that. <laughs> but the motivation for that comes from a very specific place. So what, what I love about the book of Acts and what I'm really enjoying is the, is the placement of every text. Somebody, somebody lift your voice and say, you know that God wasn't mistaken when he wrote this book, right? Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> like, the placement is incredible. Because think, of, think, about the, think about the chronology of what's happened here. Jesus leaves. The Holy Spirit comes. We're given this beautiful picture of the church could be. And then the very next story is significant. In Acts chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 3. The notes that I gave you in your binder or on your sheet or on the app uh, are not going to help you today. I'm, I apologize for you type A people. You're going to go home with empty blanks today. Because I've completely changed what I'm doing. Because it dawned on me this week as, as, as I was studying this passage that the order of these events is incredibly significant. That the people of God gathering as the church for the very first time under the new covenant, under grace, were acting that way in Acts chapter 2 because they understood a fundamental thing about their relationship with God. And that, that's where I want to go today. But if you have a Bible, go to, go to um, Acts chapter 3. And uh, we're going we're gonna to read this together and we're just going to talk our way through it. Fair enough? Because what happens is we just got through that they're praising God, enjoying the favor of all people, and every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. What an awesome thing. And we could have just stopped there and been ready to roll. But we didn't stop there. L- look at... Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John were going up 
to the temple for the time of prayer. Why is that important? All these details matter. Why would Luke say that Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon? Why do you say that? Because it was eyewitness historical fact and Luke is leaving us hints all through the book of Acts about these things that really happened. He did the same thing in the Gospel of Luke, like when the genealogies were coming. He says, now at the time of this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, Jesus was born. Why did he do that? So that we could trace it back to the pinpoint spot and say, this is true. I can hang my life on this. Because what we just asked you last week to do at the end of Acts chapter 2 was to change your lifestyle. To reorient your life to be for other people and not for yourself. We don't want to do that if this isn't true. If this is all true, right? And, and that's... But at the end of the day, if, if Jesus isn't who he said he is, well, it's not. Because every time, everybody but we're not wasting time. We know that it's true. And so here comes the real story. Luke gives us more here. So the specific time... And the specific place. But listen to the details of this. It says, A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. And he was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Why is that? Because everybody following Peter and John, everybody standing in the temple courtyard, every single person present would have known who this guy was. And they would have known, as Luke says, that he was lame from birth. Day after day after day after day, his friends and family are carrying him to the gate and laying him there. Here's a fun fact. Jesus likely would have seen this man. Because Jesus, if you you haven't, uh, one cool fact about these places is that this is the place where Jesus preached in the Gospels about being the Good Shepherd. It was at this gate, this place, that Jesus Christ had stood there and preached in the same place when He said, I am the Good Shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they know me. That guy would have been sitting there, by the way. He was sitting there. There why didn't Jesus heal him then? Jesus fixed your problems. Because that's what those people need. Verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, socially significant. He knew that when the religious gathered, they would try to outdo each other in righteous acts. And so if he could just play religious emotions and try to get them to uh, give him money so they go to heaven faster. He didn't care what it took to get the money. He just needed money. He was supposed to do about it. And so carry him to that because that's where the religious at three in the afternoon. Since our problem. And so are being painted and are really significant because this is a Sometimes we forget about that. We forget about that when, when you drive down the street over here and you see a homeless person on the corner with Or you hear along with the conundrum of that look 
strength. What am I supposed to do about it? Next verses are probably not what you can do about it. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Don't seem to say what Peter is going to say. But you can't follow it up with what Peter followed it up with. Look at what it says. He asked them for money, verse 3. Verse 4, Peter, along with John, I love this detail, looked straight at him and said, look at us. What do most of us do when we pull up to the corner and there's a homeless friend? With, oh, I think I just got a text. That's you know what I'm talking about. Sit there and act like you don't. So, all more holy than I am. Says we're like, we have a brilliant conversation every time. Peter said, I don't, but we understand these emotions, don't we? Listen to this far off book. These are real, real place with real issues, with real problems, with real desires to see something significant happen around them. So Peter says, look at them. And then look at verse 5. So he turned to them expecting to get something from them. up and said, I go over her gold. Amen, anybody? <laughs> Listen to this. What I do have, I give you. Listen to this of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So walk. And a scan. He raised him up. His feet and ankles were strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. The temple with this all leaping and praising God. This is him walking at God. Listen to this. They recognized he was in here who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were things about astonishment at what had happened. So a few recognizing here. First of all, the audience is a religious audience. Audience is a religious audience. This story is here for you. This story is not just here for the people out there who aren't in here yet. This story was written for you and for me to recognize some very important things about who we are and who God is. Now, is you. Well, you are the lame beggar in this story. It, Jesus can say like this and say, oh man, there's people out there that need Jesus. And that's a fact. <laughs> but this story is for us. This story is for the religious person among us, which is most of us. Now, some of you, I know your story, and you've been saved out of some incredible stuff, and what's recent, like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is awesome. Well, one of the things that happens when you become religious for a very long time is Jesus tends to be like a new car to you. Just people who have you kind of get group of religious people that have walked by this lame man for a month after month, year after year, Peter and John, 
God day after day, year after year. Back in the gospel, what's happening here? You probably walked by this guy. <laughs> These things are happening. Here's this from Jesus and they just say, who have seen Jesus do signs and one cause fired him, and now these people, and they're saying that Jesus is a lot. This is Jesus. And there, there's some on here. These people, I've prematurely. Peter and John gives these guys an, incre- an incredible thing, you know. When you look back in the Gospels at who these guys are, at one point when the religious crowd comes and they bring their kids, because what's the text? It says they and they're kind of annoyed. They go to Jesus and they say, God, do you, do you want this story is called that fire for us burn all these people alive? I'm thinking Jesus was like, no. I came to die. Where does not burn them alive prematurely? The, the Bible gives these guys, these disciples, the, the, the nickname the sons of thunder. But what's the problem? They'd walk said, I can turn all these religious people had walked by. Because what the text, what happened? Oh, say... As the guy who walk. This story is for us. This story is here for us to shift our thinking. For us to shift who we think we are. You see, because what happens at the end of cha- chapter 2 is we, we begin to think, man, I can, I can shift and turn this around. With everything you've ever done in your life where you said, I can turn this around. You, you oh say Thursday, oh life, life happens. That's what happens, right? By Thursday, were you thinking about what Pastor Jake talked about? You were separated from God. You were not seeking after. <laughs> What's the reality here? We don't know totally way of thinking. God's because the reality is, is we are all the lame beggar. You and I are all the only better. You, you and I, every day, when we get up, come to the seat of as a lame beggar. Get up, every new Christ, you were spiritually dead. You were from God. You were not seeking after God. Maybe you're here today, and that's you. You are spiritually dead. You're not seeking after God. You don't. What do you got from now? It's real. That might. What we need to know is that we're all lame beggars. You, you are in the same track. That we once were. And some of us need to be reminded today that when you think that the Bible says that his mercies are new every is because you get up every morning and you're a lame beggar. Jesus said in John fifteen five, apart from him, you can do nothing. You're like, but I get up and brush my teeth every day. You got me now, bro. Myself today. Can't do anything. What's the Bible say? Is it not a, that the earth and everything in it will burn? It's significant. Nothing that lasts. Nothing that matters in the kingdom of God you could ever accomplish. Not a single thing. And so here, here the Bible comes and it, and it sets before you who you are. You're a lame beggar who desperately needs anything material pleasures of this world. Is this not a story for our time? A story for Redeemer City Church in the United States of America with plenty of opportunity? Maybe you sit here today and, and you know, you, you look around and 
you're struggling to find a job or you're struggling with homelessness or you're struggling this you might be able to look at us and say yeah I, 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 we will definitely be better than you do that in the end none of the six stuff matters that, that we sit here even if we're beakers and fall into for their religious people so everything that and this is our story God is still thought if you 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 have a story that you need to share. because all of this is together right Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was never intended to be divorced from glory that when you sit down and you read the history of the church what was happening is is that uh, the Holy Spirit comes and is given and we're to be his witnesses and then they walk into the temple where they're going to pray and God interrupts everything that they've thought everything that they thought you know how fast we can move from Jesus is alive to I'm going to the temple to pray at three o'clock doing doing I'm going to church on Sunday I'm going I'm doing this I'm doing it 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 I'm a lame part actual work of God I think says well he all why this text came next. Why not a story about how that group that devoted themselves to the teaching went out and did something incredible? Because Peter turns in verse 11 and he preaches at them. Amen? We follow this model because look at what happens. In verse it says, while he was holding on to Peter and John, and all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Look at what he says. Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? The, the first people who need to be arrested by God are us. The people who think we have it all together. And so... Uh, we're going to come back to this text next week and we're going to unpack it. You'll be able to use those notes I gave you. We're going to never up on this. But as we've experienced never Mueller, and as we have come and gathered us to church and as you think I want you to walk away is the reality reminding us to the God, you are a lame beggar. And out there and read people who we want to be in here Jesus said, unless you understand that wasn't for effect <laughs> say it <laughs> so what what will never happen is you will never have led you to be in his praise first you see what Corinthians what God is opening us in this passage is that apart from him we can't do anything we can't do any of the things that he has called us. We're jumping unless we get back on our knees before him and ask him to do something. Ask him to go, praise God, say people the shizing body and blood of Christ. We see because it's not always having coming into his presence. We need you to aid. And don't cry to Corinthians that that with all the the new things have come. What is the new thing? We have a thing in today's world. It used to be, and we're jumping 
and leaping and were strong, not because of anything where you are, that you go and be his wit, praise God. And what others will do, they will stand and wonder, recognize that you are the same person that you used to be. It's because of having a miraculous salvation. Some of you do, and you need to start. I've never crazy. That's incredible. That with a story is going on, that that God would hold you, you cut. So you run after this world. What an stand together, and we're gonna. You have to. Gonna, whoever you are, the, the way and offering. This is not to have all the answers, but to say, God changed my life, and I want you to be a part of it. I, I, I that you, and now I'm this person. That's where it starts. To see it, we're going to look at some of the theology behind the story, but the logical thing to you, unless you recognize that you are. And so let's stand together, and we're going to we're going to and then uh, take an offering. But what what I do is to to look at this as a as a series of events in your life that you would take what you. Learn to laugh. See it through the lens of what we've talked about this week. And then next week we'll come back and we'll talk about the significance of what Jesus was doing in that moment. So, and uh, then we'll sing over here. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity we had today to come before you and to worship you and to partake in communion together. We ask that you would do something significant in our lives that you would speak, Holy Spirit, that you would move, that you would people's hearts, that they would, you would, you would meet with us right now, that you would help us to see you clearly, that we would recognize who we are without and what you're doing through us.